I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Now Ballesteros. With a putt that could win in the 113th British Open. Hello and welcome to a new edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast, an emergency edition as I call it. The world of golf seems to be in tremendous flux right now and uh, nobody's talking about it, so I thought that we would... Who better to talk about it than Mark Canizaro, the golf correspondent of the New York Post, and Jeff Shackelford, author of the Quadrilateral newsletter. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. It's tremendous. I thought that Jeff and Mark would be great guests simply because, uh, well, for one thing, uh, Mark was uh, an attendee at the now famous slash infamous press briefing given by the Saudi golf group. I can't remember what, I think they're called Live now, Live Golf Group or something. Uh, He was there last week uh, because of rules laid down before the briefing. Mark can't talk about specifics, but he is able to describe the scene, uh, tell us uh, what happened, how it went down in certain ways. It's uh, both fun and informative. Jeff is tapped into the other group currently circling the world of professional golf, the Premier Golf League, uh, so he talks about that. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It's very informative and interesting. I hope you do too. Uh, it appears to me that the PGA Tour has decided to put its head under the pillow and not discuss any of it uh, in the hope that it all goes away. Well, the news for them is that it is not going to go away. Change is coming. It remains to be seen what kind of change that will be. Before we get to the show, I'll do a quick bit of selling. We are currently working on the brand new edition of McKellar, number six. It should be out in the new year. Uh, Lots of fantastic stuff. People have been asking what's going on with the magazine. Well, it's pretty difficult to put put something like like McKellar together in uh, in the current world. There's all sorts of supply chain issues, as everybody knows. Anyway, it's coming soon. In the meantime, if you don't have copies one to five, get on the website, mckellarmagazine.com. Also, uh, some other, I think some stuff's been added to the... uh, the apparel tab on the website, uh, specifically the McKellar uh, bucket hat. Very, very cool. Uh, my kid is a big bucket hat person, so he's running around town with his McKellar bucket hat uh, on. It looks pretty cool. Anyway, McKellarmagazine.com, and let's get on with the show. An emergency edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. Uh, we're in, all in trouble. The world of golf is in trouble. So who are we going to call? Mark Canazaro. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, Lawrence. I'm very honored that I'm being, I'm being called an emergency. Thank you very much. Uh, there you go. Uh, and joining us on the other side of the uh, the continental United States, Jeff Shackelford from Santa Monica. Jeff, how are you doing, pal? I'm doing well. Thank you for calling on me as well oh, in these troubled go. times. <laughs> Normally I wouldn't. Uh, anyway, uh, listen, uh, we are going to talk about... Oh, this is To me, it's insane. Uh, there's all sorts of... Uh, Vultures hovering around uh, professional golf, and in the middle of all, there's the PGA Tour, and they haven't said a word. It's it's just incredible. Uh, so we're going to come on to that, but a quick bit of news this morning. Jeff, uh, Green Reading's books, no more, or are they? It's kind of hard to follow. Well, I think somebody could still sit there and draw a whole yeah. bunch of arrows in their book. Uh, they're going to have carpal tunnel syndrome and won't be able to play because they do it, but it does seem like they have come up with a way the the and the play well first of all more importantly they've recognized how awful it looks 
to watch somebody pull a, a book up to their face and try to read a, a green that way. So kudos to them for the rare moment of reflection about their product, unlike other sports that are always searching to make sure they put on the best possible show. The tour generally does not. So this was on the players doing the work of the USGA and RNA to hopefully rid the game of these uh, silly books, or at least the professional game. I could care less if they use them in a practice round. I think most people could care less if they do that. But we only have 40 seconds to hit a shot, and you have to stand there and, and, and uh, in person especially, watching somebody look at this book when the putt is right before you. Any golfer, you, yeah, what are you doing? Just look at the damn ground before you. Stop looking at your stupid book. And it, it's infuriating in person. And then obviously when TV can't time it right, it's awful television as well. So the uh, it sounds like they've created new rules that will, uh, well, there are books that will not be um, – uh, able to be used from the past. So uh, they'll have new books with uh, fewer lines to study. Mark, I, I, I don't think any sane person is for green re Green's reading books. I don't suppose you were either. No, I mean, Jeff said it absolutely. You know, you said the magic words, you know, about the television audience. I mean, it, it, we already know that the game is too slow, um, not, not just for those of us who play it, but who watch it. And, uh, you know, this stuff obviously slows the game down. It's a bad look. And honestly, you know, I could be new school in some areas, you know, in my in my beliefs, but I'm also old school when it comes to what happened to the art of reading greens. I mean, that's like, yeah. like you know, if you Jeff, you you and myself and, and, and Lawrence, we've all played in in maybe an outing or a tournament or something where you've got a proper caddy, who's, you know, kind of maybe at a, that knows the greens at a golf course. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's to me, it's part of the fun and fascination of you know, of, of following the lead of a really good caddy with, with, with a great green reading skills. I mean, when I got pulled for the uh, a lottery at Augusta a number of years ago, I'll never forget. I mean, this is this is 20 years ago, and I still remember being on the 14th hole, having to bump, bump, an, bump an eight iron up to, to the Sunday pin, which is which is back right at the time it was. And and my caddy told me I had to, I had to aim like like 40 yards to the left of the pin. And I didn't I was like, what are you crazy? And I did yeah. it. And I watched it, you know, so anyway, my point is that without gas bagging, which I've already done. So, but I, I love the green reading and, and, and frankly, that should be part of the game and part of a player's advantage with his team, you know, with his caddy and himself as a team. Well, Mark, you make a great point too. The other thing it's led to is players uh, playing less practice rounds uh, in their, in their preparation for, they just they just don't play a practice round or they play a nine hole round and then they rely on their book too much instead of going out and learning a golf course and being rewarded for local knowledge. No question. And to some degree, Jeff, that you know, that hurts the fans that go to those tournaments. Yeah. You don't see somebody that, you know, on on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday and they're yeah. like, Oh, what do you mean Phil Mickelson's not here on Wednesday? Well, Phil already knows the golf course and he's got his greens book. I'm just using him as an example, but you know, because the veteran players certainly as well, they kind of know the courses and they yeah. you know, they, they can do that. But yeah, it's it's. I think this is there's 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 hard, it's hard to make an argument against what they're doing right now. Oh, I'm sure somebody will make. Ah, uh, wait, wait to see this week. Oh, Bryson will. Yeah, Bryson. Will start. <laughs> well, yeah, I meant I meant like you know a sane argument. <laughs> the uh, anyway, uh, we'll leave it at that, uh, and we'll move on to the main subject. Now, this is almost kind of too, for my brain. It's almost too big to contemplate. Uh, I mean, I wrote it down when I was trying to kind of prepare for this podcast, which I normally never do. I just typed in the future of professional golf. Uh, is that too uh, too portentous, Jeff, do you think? No, not at all. I mean, I think that's uh, 
an existential moment, uh, whatever you want to call it, crisis. Uh, they are, uh, we have two entities that would like to shake things up. And if they don't succeed, there are going to be others because of a number of factors that we've probably discussed on this or other shows. And, and uh, it's that time where you have a lot of people with uh, money who sit around and love to look at a, a product or a company and wonder if they could do it better. And we're now seeing that uh, come to fruition as the PGA Tour has not really paid attention to their product. Uh, and I hate using that word, but it's a product and they have uh, neglected it. And there may be a better way to do things than they've done it for a long time. And so you have very smart people, uh, people who had extra time during the pandemic. Uh, but this all started before that with the Premier League group. And uh, they're looking at things and, and imagining a, a, a different approach. Whether it works or is right, I, I don't know. But I do believe there is a growing consensus. And, and even more really now than a year ago, uh, well, a year and a half ago, uh, that uh, kind of agree with them. At the, at the time when I wrote the story and got a, a hold of their deck, and, and revealed all that. I, I was. It was amazing how many people were were hostile to the idea that anything needed fixing. And here we are, a year and a half later. And I think the pandemic has accelerated a lot of trends. And this is one of them. The people look at the um, professional game and think, hmm, there there may be a better way to do this for. And and, and I think to their credit, in the Premier Leagues, um, which the Saudis have ripped off all well, their ideas. Um, it, it, to, it, to their credit, um, they're thinking of the fan, and I just don't know how much at this point the PGA Tour is thinking about the fan. Right. So we'll come back to the – well, I've written a Premier Golf League. What we call We call them the Premier Golf Group now. I mean, it's hard to keep up with the acronyms. Uh, the uh, the So there's two groups, right? I, I, there's obviously the Premier Golf League crowd, uh, who, Jeff, as you say, they've been around for a while. There is the Saudis who've also been around for a while. Now, uh, before I go any further, uh, Jeff, you put me onto this. Uh, no laying up did a podcast. It was two hours, uh, so it's pretty comprehensive. So I'm, I'm not sure how much or how we'll add to that. But uh, I, you know, I want to credit them firstly uh, before we go on. Uh, it was reported last week uh, as if you know, journalists had never been to an off-the-record briefing ever in the history of journalism. Uh, that there was a meeting last week in New York of uh, quotes and quotes. Uh, select journalists uh, uh, who were who'd been asked to attend an off-the-record briefing at uh, given by the Saudi golf crowd uh, about their plans for uh, professional golf. Uh, I don't think giving anything away. Uh, Mark, you were there, weren't you? You were invited. You were one. I, of the I was there. I was part of a small group there um, at a small hotel in Manhattan, and uh, you know, obviously, we've seen a lot of the stuff. We reported some of the stuff right right out of there, and obviously, then the the, the group. You know, the, the 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 live group made an announcement, you know, about their affiliation with the Asian tour and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was a fascinating meeting, and and you know, full disclosure for our podcast, we had to sign non disclosure agreements. Those of us who were in there, so uh, you know, it, it, I, there is some, there will be more announcements coming. Um, but I think we all know, you know, the writing is is in large you know, letters on the, on the chalkboards, everybody kind of knows where this is going, obviously. So this is going to a, you know, world golf league, you know, which is the PGL has been 
you know, chattering about actually as, as Jeff has reported on for, for a while, for a couple of years now, this has been out there. The, uh, could, sorry, I just, could you just paint a picture of what, what was this like? <laughs> I mean, where was it? I, I don't name the hotel or anything, but was it like a big fancy hotel or was it? He uh, can't disclose that. No, well, no, I think I can disclose that actually. Uh, do you want to know what the restrooms look like? Well, maybe the menu, you know, maybe the menu. Calls. No, actually it's funny. They, this meeting was supposed to take place a couple of weeks prior and there was some sort of snag, you know, good, who knows what, what it was, but uh, all of a sudden on a kind of very last minute, we were notified those of us that were invited to the original uh, that, you know, this was on hold for a week or two. They'd let us know. And at that time uh, the original meeting was supposed to be at a pretty swank hotel on central park South. And when the new memo came out for the meeting last week, it was at a hotel I'd never heard of before, and I'm, I, you know, I live in Manhattan, so, and I mean, I'm not saying I know every hotel, but, so I went to the hotel. It was, you know, it was a kind of a midtown, you know, just off of Park Avenue hotel, and it's kind of, I guess, if you want to call it a boutique hotel, I, I don't know, I didn't see any of the rooms, but I walked into the lobby and, and kind of, I said, where is the such and such room, whatever they had told us to go to, and they said, oh, it's right down the hall. So I walked down the hall, and it was this room. It would look like a, I mean, it literally looked like a you know, like a, some sort of a small time convention, you know, like, you know, like, a, like, you know, think, think of, uh, you know, the television show, the office, it looked like one of those conference rooms kind of thing, you know? And I thought it was in the wrong place. So I kind of turned around to go. And then the guy kind of came out and said, Oh, are you here for the golf thing? I said, yeah. And I go, oh, it's in here. And I said, Oh Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so it was a bit odd. Uh, but again, in fairness to that group, it was my understanding. And, you know, and you guys are city guys. It, it's not that easy on short notice to get, you know, uh, meeting space and hotel space in Manhattan. And I guess they just couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't recreate what they, what they wanted in the first place. So listen, I'm not saying this was like a motel six and they're leaving the light on for us, but you know, it was, it was just kind of, it wasn't what I was expecting. Hang on a minute. Uh, so it was a four seasons plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm kind of digging and it's all in fun, but I mean, I, I do know for a fact that they had very, they had issues trying to find a, a space when they had to reschedule. Yeah, and, and and again, this was not like you know we were you know counting the roaches in the corner or anything like that. But <laughs> it just it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting. Let's put it that way. You know, with, you know, with, with Greg Norman involved. I mean, you know, the guy's one of the you know most iconic figures in the in the sport. I figured it was going to be a little bit more lavish, but I don't think they could do lavish because they couldn't get the space. Uh, just more, uh, a couple more on just painting the picture. Uh, you know, can you say who was, well, I think it's fairly obvious who was there from the journalistic side because they all wrote stories, so that's fine. Uh, and there's, I couldn't believe uh, that people were being harangued for attending this. Uh, you, you know, we, as I say, journalists have all gone to off-the-record briefings. It happens daily at Westminster and at the White House. There's, you know, there's also off-the-record briefings is a part of a journalist's life. Um, but who was there on the Saudi side? Are you able to say that, Mark? I can't really say that. Okay. Um, I'm not allowed to say that. Yeah. All. I think some of the stuff's been reported, but there, you know, I can say that there's you know, some recognizable figures from the PGA Tour okay. that were, you know, at the side of Jay Monahan, their commissioner, uh, for a long time. And I mean, again, I, I, to be frank with you, and I, you and I spoke last night, Lawrence, I, I, I juggle a lot of balls, not just the golf, but I do a lot of football, and I've been traveling quite a bit on some assignment. So I don't even really know what's been reported and leaked out from the, from the meeting last week. So yeah. I think probably some of those names okay. were, but I, I, you know, I, I'm not kind of really, I can't really say, but 
yeah, it was a small group. It was, you know, there was a, there was the main major domo for, you know, for the live corporation, you know, that they put together was there, uh, who I'd never met before. I, I can say that the, uh, that the CEO of the Asian tour was there. Um, and, uh, obviously Greg was there, Norman, yeah. uh, and one of his high, high placed, uh, assistants who's, who's, uh, you know, he's been with for a long time. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an intimate gathering. And, uh, I will say, you know, I, and you know, I, I, I felt like their presentation was very well thought out. Again, there's a lot of details to, you know, to, to figure it out, but listen, we all know what Norman wants to do. He tried to do it in 1993, 94 and put a world tour together. And, you know, the elephant in the room are the players, Jeff, right? I mean, yeah. it's all about who agrees to do this. And with PGL and all these other, you know, these these Saudi, you know, backed organizations that have been, this stuff's been floated for at least two years now. Um, it's, you know, and now we, and we've had players come out like Rory very publicly saying he's not interested. And, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, if these guys want to do a world tour, who's going to agree to do it? Because no offense to any players, but I think I said to Lawrence on our conversation last night, you know, if Brendan Todd and Billy Horschel are your two, you know, your two marquee names, nobody's going to pay attention. No offense to those guys, you know, and those guys would be the first to admit that as well. So it's all the players are the linchpin to any of these programs that are going to, that are going to work, including Jeff, what you, you know, what you reported wrote about yesterday. The, uh, can I just jump in here? A couple of things. I, about who else was there, you obviously can't name, but you've, you've, I want to, I want to give you my joke, Mark. One of the people there who was really, used to be at the PG Tour, does his name rhyme with Bugger Wright? <laughs> Gosh, I would, you know, I need to go, I need to go to my phonetics book, Lawrence, okay. and see if it matches. I'm not 100% sure. Right. Uh, Jeff, but there's another, uh, there's another name reported, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it rhymes with Lon Schloss. Right. So, uh, so what happened? An old high school uh, uh, classmate of mine. So, what happened? What happened with Ron Schloss at the PGA Tour? Schloss. Get the. Uh, Schloss. Um. Are we able to... You know, I don't know. It's an interesting story because as Ron was at the tour, then he went to work for Augusta National, and anybody who's dealt with Ron knows he's one of the, the best people in uh, golf. At least that's my view. I think he's... Uh, um, uh, I mean, just I was bummed to hear when he left Augusta because he was uh, somebody there who you... Uh, who, who read all of our, our work, and if you wrote something uh, positive, he'd actually come and thank you for it which they don't have to do there or any place has to do but you know usually we only hear from people who who bitch and moan and uh, never ever thank you for the the nice stuff and um just a, a, a solid individual and he was brought back to the tour or he he took a job back with the tour he left augusta after i don't know seven or eight years and uh, and then next thing you you know, he's he was in a broom closet in charge of the President's Cup, like within six or eight months, I think, a very short time of returning. He was he was brought back to be thought of as Jay's lieutenant, Jay Monahan. Yeah, so you know, that's yeah. a that uh, it's a name that most people in golf won't know. Ron um, Cross is, is his name, uh, and uh, <laughs> but to those in the in golf. Um, who have dealt with him and know why he was brought back to the tour and what his role was going to be. It's a, uh, it's a significant hire. Um, so the art, I mean, it's a signifier of, of, uh, see, I mean, these are not idiots, are they? I mean, these are not kind of fly by night guys. These are, it's a serious operation, Jeff. I mean, the presence of somebody like that 
with his institutional knowledge, uh, I mean, indica- right. is, is indicative of something, isn't it? Well, as you say, institutional knowledge is key because I think the revelation from Mark's story and, and those who were at the event, and Mark was the most, uh, I believe, blunt, really, in, in highlighting the role of the world ranking points, which we know is not yeah. a sexy story, and New York Post readers um, probably don't generally care about the world ranking, or most readers don't, but we know that it's the thing that will allow players who are on the fence or not sure and want to still play major championships and still want to get their bonuses for for uh, finishing a certain place every year in the ranking to break free. It's the thing that the, the Premier Golf League group, which the Saudis have, have taken all their ideas, but it was the one thing that they it was it was a key question they could not answer um, for for a long time and, and nobody could because the other or, the other families have such a stranglehold on the ranking. Well, the Saudis went and solved that problem. They went and grabbed the the Asian tour, and they'll sanction these events, whatever they have that they're not revealing yet, as Asian tour co-sanctioned events, just like the European tour did. And they should. And if there are not world ranking points available to those uh, events, then we know something's uh, someone's up to no good. This was a brilliant, brilliant move, you know, on their part. Um, guys obviously you know for the world ranking thing you know the asian tour was kind of floating adrift because the european tour uh you know left you know uh, severed its affiliation and uh so these guys were you know were kind of you know they they were they were sinking a bit and obviously and they, they were crushed by the pandemic obviously uh as you know many well many organizations were but the tour the pga tour carried on the asian tour did not really carry on and uh so they were in a really bad spot, and and this group has come in and made an investment in in, in there, and and in, in turn has, you know, has greased the skids for, you know, if, you know what we all figure is going to be some sort of world league that they're going to try to put together. Um, there seems to be a lot of confusion in reporting. So the Saudis came in, the Saudi group came in and uh, gave uh, injected two hundred million uh, in, in the Asian tour uh, over ten years. Uh, uh, and these brought in these ten new events. Uh, so, I mean, that's a two hundred million. Let's not. I mean, that's a significant amount of money, but it's not in the greater scheme of things. It's not. It's not. It's not massive. But people seem to think that these events were the were the new events, but they're not, are they? I mean, they're just. Uh, it's a way of you know standing up the Asian Tour and maintaining the World Golf Ranking stuff. But the actual format, the team format. Uh, again, it's been widely reported: twelve teams, four players. That would be bolted on top of the Asian Tour. That, that, that's right. Uh, can you say that, Mark? Can you talk about that? Or I mean, it's been reported. Maybe Jeff should talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, I can't really go okay. into specifics of the things that I heard, but I mean, a, a lot of stuff has been reported. And I mean, listen, there's a lot of elephants in the room, so to speak. And you know, and and this is nothing new, by the way. I mean, Jeff, as Jeff mentioned, you know, the PGL. This this was a concept that's been floating around for a couple of years now, and these guys, you know, I probably feel like they have it mastered or refined for a better, for lack of a better term. Uh, so is that right, Jeff? So the the team concept would be bolted on top of this, uh, yeah, re- uh, newly revived Asian tour. So yeah, that was, again it seemed to have been quite. Yeah. A I th- so the other key to this is that the Asian those events on the Asian tour provide you a a feeder tour or a place for a player to be relegated, and that was the other flaw 
in the case for the Premier Golf League, not not the concept of it, but where where that landing spot would be if a player starts struggling, or where does that uh, up and coming that player who's just red hot, he, you know, the Will Zalatoris, he's in the top ten every week, he deserves the, his chance at the show. How, you know, where's he where's he showing that to then make that move up? So that's what those Asian Tour events will ultimately be, why they'll be important to them and why the Premier Golf League group, um, back when they were associated with uh, the Rain Group, was trying so hard to to create a deal with the European Tour. And, and it's a tricky topic for them to discuss because if you're trying to lure a great player to uh, this league and you don't want to make a big point of this, but the real drama, the intrigue and in what they're trying to do is the the notion of of relegation or of promotion. And that's where some of the drama will come where let's just I, I'm just saying uh, these are all hypothetical names, but but whatever uh, owner J.P. McManus's team is called and Paul McGinley's his manager and Paul's seeing that uh, Seamus Power is just playing great. While uh, uh, Padraig Harrington on the team is, is missed, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't even know if they have cuts. They don't have cuts. So he's stinking it up in their 54 hole events. And he wants to bring Seamus up and send Padraig down. And there's a little drama about that. And um, and you're rewarding a young player who's coming on the up and uh, on the upswing. And, and that's that's, as I understand it, the concept of what they're doing. It's not really original. It's it's just. In taking out what other sports are doing and plugging it into to golf. And I think it is interesting depending on who the f- players are and who the owner is and who the manager is. So uh, that's what the Asian tour component uh, also brings besides the world ranking points. Can, can I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. sorry, can I just uh, quickly, uh, what if the five, as you call them, the five families, Jeff, uh, what if they say, okay, Asian tour, you, you're no longer getting world ranking points because uh, for whatever, you've broken a yeah, code of conduct or something. Right. Yeah. So uh, wouldn't that cut them, cut them off at the knees from that side of things? It, it would. But, um, but, but, but if you read uh, yeah. my newsletter yeah. piece the other day, no, you know, no, I yeah. was shocked to when I started poking around the last world golf ranking um, announcement, uh, I did not know that some of these tours the abema tv tour the uh i'm reading from the list the all thailand golf tour the euro pro tour the alps tour the nordic golf league these are eligible the big easy tour these are eligible golf eligible tours under the official world ranking so the asian tour has been around a while it'd be awfully difficult to suddenly claim um they're no good but the um but the Alp store is still, you know, uh, on the up and up to them. Uh, that, that, I don't know how that flies. I assume lawsuits begin and um, then it gets ugly. Uh, you guys, was... guys, I keep going back to that. I know a hammer at home, but I mean, none of this works unless they get top level players involved. And, yeah. and, and, and right now, presumably, you know, I mean, it's. I'm sure that they've all. You know, there's been a lot of guys been contacted. I mean, you know, of course, you know, most of the top players have been contacted, and they're mulling it over legally, whatever you want to call it, with their agents who probably have the information sitting on their desks, and you know, with the knowledge that that Monahan obviously came out last spring and said anybody that's involved in in, in this, such league like this is no longer a member of the PGA Tour. Well, legally, can he do that? We don't know that for sure. I'm sure these people have got legal people now that are 
you know, that are, are ready to shoot that down. But is this going to get caught up in the court system? You know, their their goal is is to have something going by the spring. Well, the spring's not that far from now. Yeah. I mean, we're in November. If you're talking about, you know, March, April, May, whatever, that's not that far from now. And the, the entire – everything rests on who decides they're going to be a part of this. Yeah. And, 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 and oh, it's, it's not going to work unless they have – you know, they have to have – at least a small handful of the top players in the world to get any eyeballs on this. Don't you think Jeff? They do. And then they also, they'll have to be careful to your point about this, Mark, if they target these players with lawsuits or, or threats of suspension or expulsion, then there goes their whole argument that these players are independent contractors. And that's another uh, can of worms that they'll be opening. So it's a slope, slippery slope there. And then you bring in the, uh, the, the, the source of the money. And I don't know how many, how many of the players really care about that at this point, but, um, it's not coming from, uh, the Royal family of, of, uh, <laughs> great Britain. And, and it's, it's, it's a it's well, I, pretty I, dirty money. I think we've seen the amount of players that don't care about it by the guys that have gone over and played in Saudi. Yeah. So, I mean, what, you know, I, I think that there's, um, and I, I would even Lawrence, you've had, and I believe you've had her do, you, she's written for the magazine, um, and prop maybe been on your podcast. I, I use it as an example, Megan, Megan McLaren, correct. Right. Yeah. Now she, she did not play a, an event earlier on that was Saudi backed. Um, but she was at, the Aramco series event in Long Island here because eventually she, and I I read some quotes from her someplace, whether it was on Twitter or not. She's obviously a fantastic follower on Twitter. Um, but you know, she was asked about that and she just essentially to paraphrase, she's like, look, this is where the best players in the world are. This is where I got to play. And you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, at the end of the day, that drives a bus more than, than somebody's moral argument. Um, I want to come on to the Premier Golf League in a minute, but just on this stuff, Jeff, uh, you know, the motivations, the Saudi motivations, the dirty money. Uh, I think Greg Norman, I wrote the quote out from the, the press conference. Uh, the aim is to holistically improve the health of professional golf. And I just wrote after that, LOL. Um, but I mean, it really is. It is sports washing. Um yeah. Uh, the Saudis, actually, somebody uh, sent me an email the other day and made a good point. There is actually a genuine interest in golf in Saudi Arabia, apparently. Uh, there is, uh, obviously, it's a very moneyed, uh, cr- you know, cross-section is the wrong word, uh, uh, you know, a niche. It's a niche-moneyed uh, audience. Uh, but uh, they've looked at Dubai, they've looked at Abu Dhabi, uh, and the, Dubai especially has, has, has built a great economy around golf, uh, a great economy around uh, the couple of events that are there every year. Uh, and I mean, I wrote, I remember writing in The Guardian 10, 12 years ago, you know, D- Dubai, you know, Dubai's, uh, you know, immigrants are dying on on, on work, work, work sites every day. Uh, people can still get jailed in Dubai and Abu Dhabi yeah. for, uh, oh. f- for, you know, if an immigrant worker has a baby out of uh, wedlock, uh, they can spend a year in jail before they're allowed to leave the country. Uh, yeah. uh, consensual, uh, what's a consensual violation of, of law? It's a year in jail if you have a homosexual relationship, or if you have an affair with somebody who's not your wife or your husband. Uh, so, but nobody, nobody ever talks about the, the religious police are very active in Abu Dhabi, very active in Qatar. Uh, nobody ever ever talks about. It. So, I guess the Saudis 
look at that and think, well, if it worked for them, it it, it right. worked for us. I, I right. guess, yeah. I, I get, I guess that's the motivation, isn't it? It works. Uh, right, it works, and they they do actually have a. a they are trying to reimagine their future, uh, not relying on on uh, oil money as much, and trying to have uh, a tourism component. Uh, the Crown Prince is got a dream city i don't know where that whole thing stands uh or it's actually isn't it a, it's actually an entirely new country uh that they just kind of build from scratch and I don't, I don't know where that's at but that golf would be a big part of that and it's just sort of a western style city and they want tourism and they want people to come there in the winter time and um so yeah that, that it's a that, that there's a there's a thought behind it um and then they're trying to raise awareness by having these events. Originally, they were going to have more events in the Middle East, and obviously the players they've spoken to said, uh, yeah, no thanks. And somebody explained to them that those events would be on in very odd hours in the United States. So if, or if they're trying to reach this audience that they weren't going to reach many people at uh, at, at 3 a.m. in the morning. So uh, my point being is, uh, let's not kid ourselves. You know, Five years into this project, if, if it goes five years, uh, even two or three years into this project, the whole, you know, the whole problem that people have with, you know, Saudi's um, human rights abuses, uh, murdering journalists, that that will that will diminish. I mean, yeah, um, well, look at yeah, look at golf in China as well. Look how we we just kind of ignored everything going on there, and now of course that blew up, but it it's it's not happening now. But same thing there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very quickly before we move on, Jeff, uh, players, uh, I haven't listened to it. Uh, it's probably a feeling of mine. I, uh, I re- again, I read it on your blog. Mickelson seems to be building a case uh, to leave the PGA Tour. I mean, he, he never he never misses a chance to to criticize the PGA Tour about whatever it is. I mean, that seems to be well. I can't I can't speak to his motivation, but it, from the outside, it looks to be not pre- well premeditated. It does. Uh, it does seem that way. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So he he would be clearly the he would be the main figure, Mark, wouldn't he? Mickelson for the Saudis to target. I, I would think that he would be the poster child. To be honest yeah. with you, because he's still madly relevant in terms of popular popularity. Um, he's on the very very back end of his PGA Tour competing career, um, and uh, he could still play. So. You know, and he can also still do this and and play as Champions Tour events, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, to me, I, I would think he's he's the biggest no-brainer of all. I know Ricky has come out, uh, obviously wildly popular guy. You know, I think he's been a guy that's at least on the fringes been been, you know, positive about this kind of a concept. Um, but yeah, I, it's uh, um, I, I am very fascinated to see in the coming whatever it is, whether it's weeks or whatever. Um, to find out who amongst these top players is on board and who's not, if if anybody uh, is you know available you know is 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 on board amongst the top players, and if they're not, then this just isn't going to work. If I could, if I, I I know you, Lawrence, you're the moderator, moderator, and you are yeah. tremendous, tremendous. Yeah, right. Traffic. Okay, forget that. But uh, you know, I mean, I think the other elephant in the room here for you know, and Jeff, I know would agree, is. The PGA Tour is silence on all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of reports out there that these organizations have reached out to the tour, and I know, uh, I, I know that in your piece, Jeff, you you referenced that that they had, and and there's been just radio silence. And uh, I, 
obviously, you know, I, I feel like Monaghan and the tour just is, is they're kind of trying to wish this to go away and uh, by, by not, by not addressing it, at least publicly. And, and, and yeah, obviously this stuff, there's been chatter about this for a couple, couple of years now and, and nothing's ever taken hold, but it seems like we're getting closer and closer to this taking some sort of hold here. So we're going to need to hear from the PGA Tour at some point soon, I would think. I, I, I'm stunned, frankly, that they've been so quiet. I, I think, though, prior to the pandemic, when this first was revealed, that strategy worked for them. But since then, people have started to consider some of these ideas. Things have changed a little bit. We've just had 18 months straight of of tournaments and good for the all the organizations and getting these things done but it also has oversaturated the product and and made people kind of wish for either them to go away or do something fresh and new and they are digging in and going the opposite direction and the the product feels tired and and you ha- you can't fill a field in Bermuda and all these different things that are going on that suddenly highlight the issues that these uh, disruptors have, have brought up and they're silent. And, and I, mean, I, I got multiple comments yesterday from people like, what's the big deal with sitting down and, and talking to these people, especially the, the premier premier golf league people, because they're, um, they're, they're, they're articulate. They're not hostile. They've can, can, never been hostile. And the only reason anybody knew about them was I uh, got a hold of their deck and, and shared it on my website. Otherwise, they were doing things very quietly and not trying to make a fuss. And and they've now come up with a, a way that they believe incorporates their ideas and, and brings some of their money and people in. Can I ask, uh, can I ask you, Jeff? Well, working within the current structure. And, that, and then more people look at that and go, well, what, what's so terrible about sitting down with Th- those kinds of uh, people bringing that to the table. Can, can can I ask you what is this? What is their proposal? I, I, I before you do that, I, I was in the I read about it in the Quadrilateral your uh, Substack newsletter at the Quadrilateral. Brilliant. Uh, so if anybody doesn't subscribe, get on it right now. Jeff, go on. Oh well, thank you for that yeah. plug. I, it, it's it's pretty simple, really. They want to. They believe in their format, but they have. Uh, clearly taken the feedback that that the players don't want to dismantle the tour they they listen to the feedback that their first go round did not address the question that anybody who knows golf and has watched golf especially the last few years where we're seeing quite a bit of turnover um the way the game is played the money injuries uh you name it it's harder for stars to stay around at the top and we're also uh, in a world that is obsessed with potential and wanting to know who the next great thing is as much as we want. Uh, I, I'm not speaking for myself, but there is a general view that people are becoming increasingly interested in, in who the next thing is and yeah. not, not the great thing before your eyes. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's bizarre. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I get it a little bit, but not to the point where people are more interested in the uh, NFL draft than they are in, in, uh, <laughs> the in, NFL. in, a, in a game or the, the NBA draft <laughs> instead of an NBA playoff game. And the ratings speak to that. So, if you're not you're not showing the way that the next Will Zalatoris or whoever whoever just kind of comes from a, a nowhere and starts playing great, which we know in golf we've seen over and over again, it's one of the things we love about the sport. If you're not giving those people an avenue, 
And you're also saying, okay, well, what if you get your game goes in the toilet? Where do you go? And you don't have an answer for that. And that's what they have now addressed. And they've realized they can do that within the PGA Tour um, um, are under the umbrella, uh, to use the, the business speak, and to do it in a way that still uh, brings their concept to the table and reimagines things. And uh, the main tenet of all this is to dump the nonprofit tax-exempt status, which is one of the things that Phil touched on in the interview Mark alluded to. Uh, and and has in other interviews, it, it limits what they can do in terms of money making. Um, it's great for the charitable component, but it doesn't um, allow them and to do certain things. And that's why the NFL and the uh, Major League Baseball have, have shed that status. And it's a great model. It was an amazing thing that Dean Beeman and other people helped set up. But its time also may have uh, it, it, it may have come and gone. And the fact that they're again not open to that, you know, Andy Gardner, who's in charge of the PGL, is a lawyer, and and uh, he, this is not coming from a place of just wanting to make more money. He's looking at the structures and and has um, got people behind him who uh, are much smarter than all the three of us combined, who who look at numbers and look at these things, and and um, they also feel like it uh, the, the, I believe them when they when they say they believe that the pro game could be doing a better job of, of giving back to the sport um, so they've built that into this model and um, we'll see so uh, again it, like I mean the Saudis just stole everything essentially uh, so the PGL's idea is to to bolt this team concept on top of the PGA tour is that would that be right yeah I mean let's be clear here money is driving everything and and the real money now to the people who are in that certain stratosphere is in owning a franchise and the value that that creates and the tax implications uh i don't remember who somebody had a story recently on uh why why all these rich dudes just throw money at a pro sports team and don't care if it loses money and it explained the the, the benefits for them uh, and it and it really you know for Balmer and some of these other owners uh, who are just just spending like crazy and and uh, and one they can afford to and they love to win no question but number two they also just get some remarkable benefits out of it and and uh, so creating these franchises not only could be something that provides intrigue but it also uh, brings some money people to the sport who yeah. uh, can benefit and. Um, they view it as a win win for fans and and everybody and and that's ultimately where I, you know from my coverage i just i just get so perplexed by the 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 tour because i understand the the desire to make money i never understand the lack of regard for the fan and it just seems like over and over again no matter what the numbers keep telling them they they just don't really the fan is about fifth or sixth in line of their in, when when they're talking about their priorities and uh I think it, I don't I don't see how that's a good long term strategy. Jeff, you sent me a really interesting podcast with the, the super agent, I suppose you'd call him. Ari Emanuel was on. Yes, yeah, uh, one of my neighbors here in Santa Monica. There you go. Uh, he was on. Kara I think Swisher's, he lives in a little nicer place than I do. <laughs> probably, <laughs> but Ari Emanuel was on Kara Swisher's Pivot podcast. I recommend it to anybody. Go and listen to it. Uh, if I'm a P, I mean, if I'm the PG Tour, I, I, I'd be turning to my members and saying, "Hey, hang on a minute, we're looking after you. There's 400 million dollars worth of prize money every year." The the point Ari Emanuel uh, was making that uh, the, the content is king now. The quotes and quotes content providers 
are, you know, they are so, so valuable. I, you know, if I'm a player, I might be going to the PGA Tour and say, hang on a second, you know, I know I'm pretty well compensated, but I, compared to LeBron James or compared to this guy over here in the NBA, I, I'm not terribly well compensated for my immense talent. So there, there, there's something in a shakeup for players, isn't there? Well, and that has always been a big part of the PGL's case is that you are undervalued and you, golfers, pro golfers don't bring in the numbers in terms of the eyeballs that, that LeBron James and and obviously the NFL is doing. Nobody's on that level. Yeah. But we know from being around golf that it's a great audience. It's a sophisticated audience and it's a wealthy one. And there are more billionaires now in the world and a lot of billionaires uh, – put golf at the top of their their list and they 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 can be uh quirky uh, bizarre people but they still have a, a a real worship for what these guys do on the golf course and so there's value in all that and uh that's what they're trying to tap and and the pga tour is a player's player organization and it has shown that it is just way too consumed with creating playing opportunities and growing purses uh and 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 just has a bizarre emphasis on these guys from 100 to 150 who rotate in and out and who nobody's buying a ticket to watch. And that's been a big part of the case as well. Now, and I think Mark would agree, we, 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 can, we can laugh at the attention they give to these getting, getting people in and filling an event in, in um, the fall. But every once in a while, that great story that comes along and, and wins a tournament and gets invited to the masters and gets a two year exemption on the PGA tour. And they're crying. Uh, those are beautiful moments. It's what we love about watching. And so we don't just love watching stars. So there's some place you have to find that balances the, 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 the need to please the stars and to have stars and reward them. And also, um, the democratic nature of golf and, and the, the, the crazy great stories. I mean, we had a run there. What was that? Uh, 2019 where we just, we just kept having in the middle of the summer when there was not great events normally. Uh, and, and we just had several great stories back to back of guys who, who won, who'd been, been journeyman and, and, you know, one lost his girlfriend and his parents in a, a plane crash. And, and he comes back to win. I mean, just stuff that you just can't, script and that that makes you so uh appreciative of the sport and and being a part of it and so balancing all those things is not easy but uh, you do want to have that opportunity for those people and uh also make your stars happy mark can you make the case uh the, actually the pg tour isn't broken why should they why should they you know talk to any of these people it's not broken it works it works for its members it works for its tv audiences uh, I mean, do you, do you believe that? Well, I believe that uh, I, I would go back to the players, Lawrence. Um, if the players believe it can be better and they're willing to listen to a PGL or, you know, the Greg Norman's group, then the PGA tour, it behooves them to react. It behooves it to react, I should say. So, you know, do I think the tour is, uh, listen, I love PGA tour golf, but I'm a golf junkie, you know? The PGA, you can absolutely make the argument the PGA Tour needs to evolve, evolve, I should say, with the times. I mean, it's too slow. You know, there's just so many things you can go, you know, we can go, you know, list all the things that are wrong, but, you know, it needs to draw. I, I read somewhere 
that the the average demographic age or something for the PGA Tour was like 60-ish or something like that. I mean, you know, every sport is trying to draw the younger audience. Baseball is having, you know, you're you're a big baseball fan, Lawrence. I yep. mean, the baseball is 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 sinking itself with these four and a half hour games with 18 pitchers pitching in the same game. You know, you know, I mean, you know, Jeff, you're a Dodger fan. You're, you're yeah. the same thing. So all of these sports, regardless of how established they are and, and, and what kind of money they're making would be irresponsible not to look at how they can make the product better. And frankly, I really, you know, having listened to the concepts, you know, last week, I'm intrigued and fascinated by by some of these things, and 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 that that this group is proposing, and and I know that Jeff was was mentioning the PGL. I don't. These people are not trying to compete with. Them. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to. They're 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 working it so that they can all coexist together and everybody wins and makes money. Now, your your question, Lawrence, is what's in it for the PGA Tour? Well, the PGA Tour obviously thinks there's nothing in it for the PGA Tour to bring these other people in, that they're doing just fine and, and they're lining their own pockets with a lot of money, and that's you know that's the you know that's the tug of war here to some degree. But the bottom line is, and I keep going back to it, it's all about the players, and if the players are intrigued by these concepts, this whether it's a team golf or whatever it is, then the PGA Tour is going to have to listen. So yeah. right now, there's a lot of people sweating upon Avedra, wondering. Who amongst these guys are going to make this move? Because that is going to enact, uh, you know, some sort of reaction by the tour. Yeah, I tell you, it doesn't work for just very quickly, and we'll just kind of wrap this up. It doesn't work for sponsors. I, I, I am absolutely, you know, if I'm Mister Bermuda Championship, I've, I've sunk you know, 10, 12 million into that event. Lucas Herbert's riding off into the sunset with one point. I think it's one point one seven million. Uh, and my, uh, for my ten million dollars, my event was reduced to an absolute laughing stock. I, I mean, the PG Tour hung me out to dry. The narrative around my event was was look at this, you know, it's a clown show, it's a clown car. Did uh, you see the field, Lawrence? Oh well, I, yeah, but that was Olin, was it? Somebody told me that Olin Brown was in the yeah, field. Right? Right. <laughs> they, they, I mean, if they called, if they called Jeff Uriah up. We might have gone down there for a little boondoggle and shot our ninety twos or whatever we would yeah. shoot, right? But but, but I, I mean I, I don't. Is this a? Co- I mean, are, does the PGA Tour treat sponsors with such contempt uh, regularly, Jeff? I mean, you probably look at this stuff a bit closer than I do. I, I couldn't believe the way that this crowd were treated. I mean, that's a lot of money. It is, yeah. I uh, they don't treat them with contempt when they're yeah. You know, they're an organization that loves to make a deal, and you hear over and over again from people. They were great. They were great. We made the deal. And then once they sign you up for five years, they kind of disappear. Unless they're using um, PGA Tour Championship Management, uh, the in-house tournament operations, then they then they care for you a little bit more. But they do have a tendency to um, not uh, make great uh, relationships with sponsors. And you do see a lot of turnover and it's uh, in those events where things are less than perfect. And part of the reason that you do here is that they, they don't have a, uh, they don't pay a great deal of attention to you once the the deal's been made. And that's another issue that's that's kind of coming to a head in all this, along with things like my, what Mark talked about, other sports being introspective about how they get a younger audience or how they just adapt to the times. And and uh, and by the way, that's one other thing in this. You know, the 54 holes and the shotgun start, 
uh, that they are all of them are sticking to that. So they've clearly gotten positive feedback. And, you know, remember initially players laughed at that and said that's gimmicky. I think enough players have now had these five and a half hour days and, and the TV people have had these ridiculous days where they, they, it, it just costs them so much money to, to have a crew around for that many hours that that idea has actually started to really appeal to people. And again, the PGA tour has known all this. They've had events during the pandemic, like the, 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 the pre-event at uh, Muirfield village where they could have experimented with, with this format or playing 12 whole rounds or, some different things and they don't and they don't use the champions tour to experiment hardly at all yeah. um, they don't use the corn ferry tour they they do no experimentation no uh just sampling of trying some different things they are so stuck in their ways and and the world is changing quickly and they just seem flat-footed through all of this and it's it's um it's staggering to watch really can, can you psychoanalyze this in jeff what what, what? Causes this uh, refusal to, you know, move out of its lane. It's so weird. I think there's a brain drain down in Ponte Vedra. There's always been kind of a an old fashioned um, uh, approach to to the tour product. Remember that every executive there, uh, and there's some some wonderful executives. Don't get me wrong. I, I but they have to go to to meet with a doctor in Atlanta for a few days. This was something that that Tim Fincham started and it's sort of a, you know, it's a, it's a conformity test that you have to go through this testing to see if you're up to, uh, you know, willing to be indoctrinated essentially in the, in the, in the, in the culture there. And so you don't, I don't sense they have a lot of people who once they get there feel very free to, to throw out ideas. I, I've never since there are a lot of sports fans, uh, who say, Hey, yeah, it's interesting what they're doing there. Why aren't we doing that here? It just seems like it's a lot of marketing, uh, people with marketing backgrounds and they don't think like a fan. Um, they do maybe a little bit in terms of the tournament experience. Cause a lot of them maybe come from other places and they go, yeah, why is the food so crappy here? And the players is a great run event now because that's their event. Other tournaments have, have started to improve the fan experience in some creative ways with concerts and all that. And that's great. Uh, gets different people in, but the actual product on the course they just pay so little attention to. Don't care. I mean, how long have we have we watched them not care about slow play, uh, and and uh, things like that 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 really matter. If you pay money, get on a shuttle bus and go out and watch golf, which I've all I've written. I wrote a story years ago about that. I, I just wish one of them would just do that. Just go through the fan experience. Yeah. And you tell me it's fun to watch a guy stand there and stare at his green reading book after it's taken you <laughs> forty five minutes to get to the course. Uh, it's, it TV masks a lot of those things. And so that's, that's the, the issue for them as far as I'm concerned, just that, that lack of, um, that lack of creative thinking and, and thinking like a golf and, um, to, to improve what they do. Uh, yeah. Watching professional golf is one of the, the least, um, appealing, uh, spectator experience in sport. I mean, I've just stopped. I, I go to college and amateur events now. Yeah, think, uh, but see, I would I disagree though because well, see, you you're about to say you go to college and amateur events. Well, what's the thing that happens there? You get closer to the players, you yeah. hear a little bit more of the dialogue. Well, when you do go to a tour event and it's a course like Riviera, there's certain venues where you do so, yeah get close and so, you do have this intimate experience. And that moment, that experience, 
is way better than any other sport. When you I, when, I, when a guy I, hits I, it in the trees yeah. and you get to hear the conversation, or um, you just hear him standing around chatting on the tee, and you get to hear, and you just are you just get a little inside the ropes vibe. That is special, and that is something that unfortunately um, has kind of gone away with some well, of the more modern venues when you well, get set back. Well, it's also gone away at the you know it's the big tournaments too. I mean, if, you know. I, Walk around Kiwa Island, for example, at the PGA Championship. I mean, if, you know, we're fortunate in the media where we have an inside the ropes, you know, armband where we can get. But I'm telling you, I just watched thousands and tens of thousands of people walking, just walking a dusty, dusty cart pass, trying to get a, a view. You know, when there's when it's 25 deep to see Brooks Kepka play or, or Phil or whomever. And that experience, I totally agree, is a bad experience. But I agree with with Jeff. I, you know, these these smaller tournaments, you know, it is like the, the college events you're going to, Lawrence, where you're, you're, no. you're you know, a, well, you know, aside from the fact there's no ropes, you know, if there is, you know, even if there's a rope, if you're, if you're on the rope, you're still getting an intimate experience, so. I uh, know you're going to, uh, yeah, no, you, I mean, I went to a college event and the, I don't know what they say, the Fortinet or something, I went in the space of a couple of days and it's a completely different experience, but anyway, uh, listen, we should, uh, we should wrap this up, uh, uh, can we game this out, Mark, what happens next? Uh, what, what well, happens I next? think what's going ha to happen next is, is at some point we're going to have an announcement of whatever players... Uh, are agreeing to do this or, or want to be on board. And that will, that will begin the domino effect where then we will, we will hear from the PGA Tour in some manner, whether it's Monaghan coming out and saying the same thing he said last spring, that anybody's in is out you know, with us. Uh, if, if you're in there, you're out with us, uh, which is, I, I think is, is, is uh, archaic thinking, to be honest with you. And, and so I, you know, the, the only thing that can happen to make this thing move along is to know which players, if any, uh, want to be involved in this kind of thing. The the, uh, the idea that uh, uh, the PGA Tour would win in any kind of PR war with Phil Mickelson, who, for all his flaws, is beloved by the kind of general sports public. I mean, that's a PR battle that the PGA Tour is going to lose, isn't it? I mean, how can you I mean, ban? It's, how it's can not, you ban Phil not, Mickelson? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yes. I mean. That's a good point there. I listen. I, I just don't see that happening. The one thing I wonder is, are we going to get locked up in some sort of legal, you know, you know, the courts, you know, whether whether, you know, these this new league that comes out is saying, hey, you know, these guys are independent contractors. You PJ Tour cannot hold them, you know, and, and ban them from their from its league. I mean, from its you know from its uh, from its tour. And, you know, if we're going to get into a pissing match with that, it's going to it's going to worsen the game, you know, and uh, and it's going to lessen people's interest in the game. And you're right. We, you know, if the guys like, you know, the popular guys like a Phil Mickelson or Ricky or any of the guys, you know, that may want be interested. If this becomes some sort of legal pissing match, then I just think it's it's bad for the game. The uh, what kind of timescale are we looking at on these player announcements, Mark? I mean, you're the mouthpiece for Saudi Arabia. I mean, do, do, do you know? <laughs> I'm the mouthpiece for Highlands, New Jersey, right now, my friend. Um, no, I, uh, I, I, you know, if if, if they if this if, if these people are trying to get a league going or whatever, you know, whatever they want to get going by the spring, um, I think within within the next couple of weeks, we've got to hear wow. some some players come out. I, I really think it's going to be relatively imminent. 
I, I was only joking about, I just to be clear, I was only joking about the Saudi thing there. Uh, one of the best journalists I know, Mark Canazaro. Uh, Mark, um, sorry, Jeff, what's the uh, what's the PGA Tour's response to the players' announcements, which is coming next, obviously? Uh, yeah, their entire marketing strategy uh, makes no sense to me. So I have no idea okay. uh, to this point, again, why they haven't... Um, yeah, the, they they could be approaching this in the opposite way, and 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 almost being smug about how great their their uh, their situation is and the privilege of playing on the on the tour. They could do that, but they haven't. They've gone silent and hostile, and um, I'm not sure that's working for them at this point. So, as you say, uh, taking on certain players is uh, also going to be dangerous. And um, I don't know how much the, the Saudi component bothers some people. So uh, they better come up with a strategy soon because staying silent isn't working. I mean, Jay Monahan's given two press conferences this year, I believe, the players and the tour championship. Uh, maybe an interview here or there, but but very little. And that's also strange. I mean, Tim Fincham talked more than he did. And, and uh, at some point, yeah, you, you, you put yourself out there and you say stupid things uh, like, like Rob Manfred can do in baseball. But uh, uh, you need to be out there, I think, at this point. And, and they haven't done that at all and shown a willingness to be um, aggressive and in, in kind of taking the, the story back and, and uh, praising what they do. What's the chances of them actually working, silently working on their own revolution? Is there any chance of that? They're going to come up and surprise us all one day in the next. They could. Of weeks. I mean, that's been the tour's history: is to take uh, good ideas and and um, and make them worse. You know, uh, some <laughs> companies like Apple take a good idea and wait for it to to uh, age and and the kinks get worked out, and then they they come in and 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 create the product that 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 really uh, is the product of the moment. I think it's possible, but I haven't seen an op- a willingness or an open mind to the notion that they're, what they do is not quite working anymore, uh, quite as well as it should. And so until that day comes, until they um, accept that the FedEx Cup isn't great or that the wraparound schedule isn't uh, perfect, uh, and I and I get it. they have a lot of moving parts. They're trying to do things with Europe and and maybe even reimagine the schedule again. But I just I don't sense that the actual and I haven't sensed this from the beginning, which is my the big disappointment in Jay Monahan that I haven't sensed what actually happens on the course and how that translates to to our enjoyment of the game matters. And until that becomes a priority. I don't see how they then actually reflect that on the on what they do, and maybe it needs to be made better. Now, Lawrence, in answer to your what you just kind of presented to Jeff about whether the tour maybe is quietly trying to steal this idea for its own, is is the money factor? I mean, as I mean, as wealthy as the PGA Tour is, and obviously we know there's a lot of people with a lot a lot of money, you know, their pockets lined with a lot of money. They can't come close to the money yeah. these people are. You know, I mean, this is not even in the same yeah. <laughs> realm. So, if it's if it's, you know, I, I cover a lot of football as I referenced, and George Young was one of the great general managers of our time. You know, late George Young was a Giants general manager, architect of their Super Bowl teams early on. He used to always say, "When it, whenever a player says it's not about the money, it's about the money." <laughs> so, and trust me, this is about the money. Okay, at the yeah. end of the day, this is all about the money. 
Yeah, probably. And uh, you've made that point, Lawrence. What we talk, you 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 just you believe that the the Saudi ties and and all that will will just be ignored because ultimately it is about the money. The problem is the fans have shown with the FedEx Cup that that nobody cares when you're playing for more money or or the amount you're playing for. It 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 just doesn't translate to what happens on the field. The, it doesn't. Uh, tra- it doesn't translate to the fans, Lawrence, but it's, I mean, uh, uh, Jeff, but sir, like I agree with you, you know, the whole $10 million FedEx Cup thing. We've, we've all in sports now, these guys, everybody, you just mentioned LeBron, every one of these sports, the, the money is so out of control. I think we've become numb to it as, a, as fans. Yeah. But the players is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, if they're playing for $15 million for one, for one tournament victory, as opposed to the 1.5 or whatever, you know, they're making now 1.7. That's a big deal for them, yeah. not for us. Um, uh, yeah, my own, my final thought would be that uh, if the PGA Tour thinks these, the Saudis are going away and they need to think again, uh, I, bottomless pit oh, of yeah. money, uh, we're there looking at the future of a, of a you know, significant global power, I mean, the power of the, of the Middle East. And this is a nation state we're talking about here. In football, European football, even clubs like well, Manchester United kind of clings on but Barcelona, Real Madrid have discovered that they cannot compete with nation-state clubs like Paris Saint-Germain, uh, like Manchester City, and it will soon be Newcastle. Uh, so the PGA Tour is going to have to... I mean, they can't sit silently and, and let this happen. They're, they're going to have to respond in some kind of way. And if they get into some kind of battle with Saudi Arabia, that is a battle they're ultimately going to lose in the way that... I, I ba- think it's too late. Well... I think it's too late. Uh, and so, you mean too late in what sense that Saudis I think they've won't... let they've let this get too far. Uh, and maybe if just based on what Mark's describing and and where we're at, I, I, it's going to take a miracle to uh, prevent some players from 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 leaving and from this disruption happening. It just seems like it's the ship has has sailed and they missed their their opening to uh, I mean the pip coming up with these ridiculous things to try and offset it. It just they haven't worked. The uh, again uh, the PGA can Tour. Say, can I just jump in on the yeah. pip and others and then I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> my my favorite part of the pip is uh, is Jim Herman. If you're if you're following his, oh, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so that's that. I'll leave it at that. I love that old well program. But there you have a player mocking the concept uh, <laughs> exactly. on a daily on a daily basis. Regularly. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, again, I don't know how closely uh, Jay Monahan follows uh, European football, but look at Barcelona, a club in ruins. And and that happened in a very short space of time. You know, 10 years ago, Barcelona was the the, the club of of global football, and now it's a club, it's essentially a bankrupt institution. I'm not going to say that's going to happen to the PGA Tour, but, uh, you know, these things move quickly, and when they start moving, uh, as you say, Jeff, uh, it's often too too late to to respond. Maybe we'll leave it at that. Mark, um, let us know when you're off to... Well, you've done uh, Four Seasons uh, Plumbing. You're probably... <laughs> <laughs> let us know when you're off to the Four Seasons Electrical Press Conference and we'll have you back I on. Will. Uh, I will. Good to talk to you, pal. Good talking to you guys. Uh, good, good to talk to you, Jeff. Talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, Lawrence.
It's a wild. 